your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Tuesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Blues hockey, boys. Yeah, baby, we're back. We are blues hockey tonight. Everybody fired up? I am. See your blues play? Why wouldn't you be, Anthony? I was just asking. You know, honestly, why would you not be fired up? You got got Marco Scandella back. Yeah, you do. You got Robert Bortuzzo, big Bobby Bortz back in the lineup. Absolutely. Here we go. Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo. Yep. The whole gang's here. You get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marshy, he gets it. He does. He was even showing us... uh, Oh, the yeah. skills before the show. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, incredible. just how excited he is for Blues hockey. What we were talking about, I said, Jamie, if you ever become a coach, let me know. I'll join the staff. And I said, oh, like, like, what do you want to do? He's like, I don't know. I said, like, hockey ops? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want to coach. Yeah, I said something, you know, something schematical. Mm. I said, you'd be the clear it guy. I said, no problem. I got it. Got you covered. <laughs> just shout it from the bench over and over again. You got to clear it. But Anthony, he's on a breakaway. <laughs> Cleared into the damn Clear net. It. Clear it. Clear the puck into the net. Ah, uh, I can't do it for you. I can't want it for you. And I just constantly repeat that, Jamie. That's really nice. Certainly, there's a need for a clear it guy on a on a hockey coaching staff. I, you know what? We'll set precedent. All right, with that. There we go. Yep. Blues. Blues and Hurricanes tonight, 6 o'clock. We got an early pregame for you, 5 o'clock for the pregame. The Blues projected lineup, Jamie. Yeah. I know this gets you excited because you were one of these at one point. Seven defensemen right now. They're going to say clear guy. No, no, no. I got that covered. It's never that guy. Blues projected lineup includes seven defensemen now with the return of Marco Scandella. Yep. What the hell does this mean? Well, it's pretty easy to figure it out, quite honestly. Marco Scandella hasn't played all year. So you want to get him back into the lineup. You want to get his legs back under him, but you're not sure, you know, how much you can play said player. So you go with seven defensemen. You know, seven does, defensemen. And that way there's impact you in other areas. Well, I don't know. For one game, it's <laughs> No, I don't mean like I don't know. I mean I know it's great. But you just go. I, I don't know. You were so disgusted by that question. Well, I, I don't know. No, people ask it all the time, and people make a way bigger deal of it than I do. I look at it as you got 11 forwards. It means somebody's going to play more up front. You got seven defensemen. Someone's going to play less on mm-hmm. the back end. Who's it going to be? You figure it out. And for Craig Berube, when you've got 11 forwards, 
you rotate guys who are playing hot. Or if you like the matchup at a certain point, you like a guy that's going against another team's certain line, you can you have the luxury of kind of using that that empty spot up front to put whoever you want in there. And on the back end, you also have the luxury of you know playing the six guys that are going. And in this case here, you're gonna you're going to play seven because you have to get Marco Scandella some minutes. Again, for as an organization, you got to find out where you're headed with this player. You got him for the rest of this year, and you have him for next year under contract. He's a player you thought high enough of that you gave him a three-year extension. It was up and down and all around a little bit. Then he got hurt. So, now, like, so what do you truly have? Got to get him back in the lineup. And maybe he's healthy, but maybe he's not quite sure, or you're not quite sure. So you roll seven D. Him and Callie Rose, and I would just go off and on, off and on, off and on all game. So you'd have your top four that never break up. And Robert Bortuzzo, every other shift, he's playing with Rosen or Scandella. Bam, there you go. There's your game. Let me ask you something here, okay. Jamie. Besides sure. a human besides a human being, okay. what is what is Callie Rosen? Because I, I like his game. Nobody likes what I have to say. Oh, I thought you were going to say I don't. I don't like his game. No, I shouldn't say nobody. A lot of people don't like what I have to say about Callie Rosen because they don't understand the big picture. Mm -hmm. Callie Rosen is a seventh defenseman. That's it. This is why you signed him. I was Callie Rosen. This is why I understand the role. Well, we like you. Yeah. I mean, as far as a player is concerned. Ah. And, And all that means is you can potentially play your way up into the lineup to like five, six in there where you're playing on, especially if there's injury. But when everybody's healthy, odds are you get the tap on the shoulder. You're the seventh defenseman. You get a little extra after practice. You're riding the bike before the game. Stay ready. That's where he's at. Because of his age and because of what the Blues currently have, he's the guy. He's a he's a six seventh defenseman. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, it is a talent to be that player. Let me tell you, it took me forever in my career to get there. But my last three, four years, I figured it out. Be ready to go. And when you touch the ice, it has to look like you've played every single game this year. And Callie Rosen has done that. Callie Rosen's not going to be a top four defenseman for you. And because of his age, too, when push comes to shove, are you going to give opportunity to a guy like Tyler Tucker or Scott Perunovic? Probably, Mm -hmm. because Callie Rosen, he's a luxury. He's a safety net for your defensive core. And if those guys don't play well, well, you know, hey, guess what? We got Callie Rosen. Put him in because we know he's going to play fine. That's what Callie Rosen is. And the fact that he's had a good season for the Blues is great. It's awesome for him. I'm happy. Like, every time that guy has success, I love it. I got you. But I he's, got you. But what is he? He's a 6'7 defenseman. Wow. On a good team. Okay. So he's a top four on a bad team. On, he might. But even then, on a bad team, they're going to go with all young guys. Sure. So he's not a top four. So what happened with Callie? You know what? He's, he's very much a vanilla type player. And he went from Toronto and didn't really play that much in Toronto, ended up coming here, and you had a solid decor here when he first got here. And now even though you may not like all of your defensemen right now, if you're a Blues fan and you don't like the play of all of your defensemen, he's still, based on contract and potential and ability, he's still not in your top four. Heck, he's, he wasn't in your top six to start the season because if Scandella was healthy and Bortuzzo was healthy and Perunovic and Mikola, Callie Rosen's probably in Springfield. I got you. All right. So that's kind of what he is. Right. But again, I cheer for the guy every single time. It makes me happy because I'm like, it, it makes me feel like one of my own. I was that guy, 6'17". Look at this guy go. Look at Scoring that. two goals. Look at you go. Playing you with his hair on fire. Yes. All right. Okay. Take it easy over there.
What's your what what the what is the line that you're looking at moving forward here? What forward line? Yes. I don't even know. Honestly, I I don't think one you've only got three and a half lines. So and you're going to lose Barbashev at some point. You're going to lose Barbashev at some point. You're going to mix and match. For me, it's it's about the entire group of forwards playing better, play, creating more offense. There certainly hasn't been enough offense created in the last couple of games. You had a, you know, you filled the net here two games in a row after the break. And then I think you had 12 goals in two games. Then you got the trades that are all happening. You know, O'Reilly gone, Achari gone. Not that those guys were putting a lot of pucks in the net, but they were taking care of a lot of other things that allowed certain players to go a little bit more offensively. Blue's got to find their offense right now. Who is that guy? Who's going to provide more punch to you? Thomas and Cairo kind of got a little um, a, a little whack the other day from, from coach. He didn't play them on the power play towards the end of the game. Does that ignite them a little bit? Do you get a little more out of them? This is going to be a really tough game. So I'm, I'm cautioning Blues fans right now. The Carolina Hurricanes, over the last two seasons, every time I've watched them, they're one of the fastest teams in the NHL. And I'm not talking just foot speed. Foot speed, they're one of the fastest teams. They move the puck so fast, and they support the puck so well, they're really hard to play against. And every time you turn the puck over, pay attention for this tonight, Anthony, you mark it down your scorecard. Every time you turn the puck over tonight at the offensive blue line, Carolina is going to turn and zip it up to the weak side forward who's standing there for transition, and they're going to push the pace all game long. So if you're a Blues player and you're the Blues coaching staff, you want to get the pucks in deep. Remember that? Remember those two words, puck management? Mm-hmm. It's never been more important than tonight against Carolina Hurricanes because they can turn and burn, and that'll hurt you. Well, you like to go with the puck management. I got another two words for you. Clear and it. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. That's right, Blues tonight. Pre-game starting at 5 o'clock. You got the game 6 o'clock in Carolina. Again, Blues. Oh, Carolina. And the Canes. We've got a returning gauntlet contestant today after beating Marsh yesterday. Took uh, 42 minutes or so, I think, to answer the tiebreaker. But we allowed it. We allowed it. And uh, and he won. So we have the gauntlet still at 4 o'clock. Uh, sports six back never never too late or too early I should say to send in a question at three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six if you want to participate in anything we're saying on the show today uh, agree disagree doesn't matter still love hearing your takes you can leave us one uh, you can leave us a mic drop on the one on one ESPN app who's your starting center fielder in twenty twenty three I think most of us would answer Dylan Mike Carlson Trout. well Mike Trout would be nice yeah, mm-hmm. certainly yeah maybe a Trout Shohei trade is in the works yeah prospects we got mm-hmm. lots of them yeah just send them a classic baseball trade absolutely yeah see if they'll take uh oh i don't know what do you guys want to include paul the young i think is a centerpiece i think so yeah. paul mm-hmm. the young drew verhagen can drew never verhagen. have too many arms out of the bullpen absolutely mm-hmm. i mean the angels honestly would be pretty stupid not to take that deal a lot of us would probably say uh dylan carlson starting center fielder Oh, I thought you were trading him. I'm like, we didn't we, trade him for no, Juan Soto. No, I'm not no. trading him for Mike Trout. No, good point. Well, I would still trade him for Mike Trout. <laughs> Anyways, who's your starting center fielder? We'll get into that discussion next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Cardinals reporter Katie Wu of The Athletic Woo. tweeted out yesterday, Tyler O'Neill was grouped with the center fielders in fielding drills such as pop-up priority. That was no accident. O'Neill is competing along alongside Dylan Carlson for the starting center field role uh, the, for the role this, this year, Ollie Marmel says. Then went on to tweet, Marmel reiterated, O'Neill, Carlson, and Lars Newbar are the three front runners for starting outfield jobs, but the players and the starting positions giving away jobs now, huh? Are interchangeable, Jamie. For example, O'Neill can play left field, center field. DC can play all three. Askin Lars, mm-hmm. Yepes, Burleson, Walker, they'll be corners. Hmm. Uh, is anybody surprised by this? I don't think this. I don't think we should read too much into this. Such as... Which part are you asking are we surprised about? Are you surprised that all three outfielders are interchangeable, Jamie? No. Are you surprised that the Cardinals would be giving some work to Tyler O'Neill in center field? Well, no, especially since he was drafted as a center fielder. Right. He might be the better... He might wind up being a better center fielder than Dylan Carlson if he's available. With his speed, he covers way more area. And maybe this is what the Cardinals are thinking, too, with, um, with the shift being limited and mm-hmm. you know a lot more balls that could be in play in certain areas. Right. Tyler O'Neill might be the guy that can get the jump on things and and make some big defensive plays. He has that ability. He's won a gold glove. Certainly. So I look at it as it's 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 not a big deal. It's it's a non issue. Absolutely. For now, me. Now's the time to be doing stuff like this. Yeah. It's not during the season when you have limited time because you're playing you're playing games every night. And then say, yeah, you know, you know what? We need to see if uh, Let's see. if Tyler O'Neill can play center. <laughs> now's the time to now's the time to see what everybody looks like yeah. coming coming out of winter break, spring break before guys go to the, go go and play in the WBC. Tyler O'Neill specifically, I think he's playing for Team Canada. Now's the time. And Lars has got a strong arm in right. It's a long throw to third, long throw to home. I think he stays typically in right. That's not uh, he could play a little bit. He could play center. Well, he has. And Dylan Carlson could be your left fielder or right or I. I. I, I think it's a good thing that all these guys are interchangeable. Yeah, uh, John Denton uh, has on Twitter here some quotes from Tyler O'Neill, and this quote in particular on Tyler O'Neill potentially playing center field. Tyler O'Neill goes on to say, "I'd love to play center field, and I'm not trying to boot anybody away from that position either." But it's whatever the team, whatever they deem fit. I know they're very analytically driven here, and I just want to be the best player that I can be. I worked really hard this offseason, increasing my first step quickness and making sure my legs are under me. I believe I can play the position if that's where they want me. Great. So here's what that tells me, though, is in the offseason, Tyler O'Neill has told the team, I want a shot at playing center field. You don't just go and work on these things. Oh, and hey, guess what? What a coincidence. You're going to give me a shot in center field? Oh, I've been working on being a center field. That doesn't happen. So the team and Tyler O'Neill have had dialogue, whether it be at the uh, exit meetings at the end of the season mm-hmm. or throughout the offseason, said, hey, look, it. just so you know, we look at you as potentially competing for a center field spot. So you may want to prepare accordingly. So I like it. Because I think the team feels the same way. If they're very analytically driven, they know that Tyler O'Neill can get from A to B faster than anybody on that Cardinals roster. He's one of the fastest players in all of Major League Baseball. Why would you not have that guy in center field? Right. At least give him a shot. This also, Jamie, let's take it a step further. You and I, I think, joked about because, Marsh, you would ask the question, who does Jordan Walker, if he does come up and play, he starts, he starts right away or eventually comes up, 
whose job does Jordan Walker threaten? You had asked that, I think, a month or so ago. And you said, is it is it Tyler O'Neill, Newt Barr, or Dylan Carlson? Jamie, you and I almost answered in unison. Do you remember, do you remember what you said? I didn't hear you. I was reading a text. You son of a... <laughs> Ron, there's a texture that got, had a great point, but go ahead. Ron, are you paying attention? No. Nope. Go okay. again. Try it again, Anthony. Marshy, about a month ago, asked yeah. if Jordan Walker comes up and uh-huh. starts, whose job does he threaten out of the, out of the three projected oh, starters? All of them. And we said yes. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he goes, is it the Newt? Is it Dylan Carlson? Is it Tyler O'Neill? And you and I are both like, yes. Mm-hmm. So think, so think about it this way. Jordan Walker, if he does break if he had great spring training, he breaks camp. He's your starting left fielder. Competition is on. You've got two spots now. Those are your three projected starters, O'Neill, Carlson, and Newpar. If Walker has uh, an Albert Pujols like spring training and the Cardinals break camp with him, he he's not going to the bench. You're starting him. Because he's either in Memphis getting games and continuing on with his development, or he's starting games for you up at the big league level. This is not a Nolan Gorman situation where well, it's like, enough we'll to, bat him against the right. He's old. No. No, if he's done enough to break camp with your team, that means he's done enough to play. Correct. And to your point, you have to play him. Yes. So they go hand in hand. If he performs well, he gets to stay with the team. If he stays with the team, he has to play. Absolutely. So, again, going back to the whole Katie Wu tweet about Tyler O'Neill getting some reps in center field. If Walker breaks camp with the Cardinals, the outfield is now down to two positions for three guys. So let the best let the best player win in spring training. Do you want to get to the mic drop? You want, or do you want to get to a mic drop, Jamie? Or do you want to get to the well, text? I, just, I had a text here from the 314, which I thought was really good. So much so I was ignoring you. <clears throat> um Said uh, from three one four, he only got stuck in the corner because Bader is ridiculous, and after that trade, we didn't want to switch him to center. It's not a bad thought. He I was mean, also banged up. But well, yes. yeah, but he wasn't going to beat out Harrison Bader. A hundred percent. Nobody no, was. A, yes. So great point. It's a good point. Go ahead now. Get to yours. But Bader was also hurt. So just go ahead. Okay. Get to your mic drop, Anthony. Here's Andrew. You're excited. Whatever. I think that the Cardinals should play Jordan Walker in center field. Because I find that other clubs bring up their young talent and they seem to play with authority. They seem to play with like energy, but the Cardinals seem to always be really hesitant with their talent, like not bringing them up or like waiting, waiting, waiting. And then the talent seems to play with that same hesitancy. So these guys, I feel like need to get that confidence. They need to be brought up. And they just need to be given the green light to go out there and show their stuff. And if you give that to Jordan Walker, he's going to be a powerhouse. What do you think? I appreciate the mic drop, Andrew. Anthony, your thoughts? (laughs) I think it seems like other teams call up their guys right away because you're not you're not close to it. You're not paying it you're not you're not paying attention to it 24/7. Or it's not made a big deal like Or they're superstars. Like in the case of Chris Bryant, who the Cubs didn't want to start the clock and decided to keep him down. Everybody knew about that because it wound up being a big story. It's not like every other team in Major League Baseball decides to have their guys break camp with them right away and it's this big exciting this big exciting thing. Uh the Orioles last year with their talented shortstop um uh, oh, geez, what's his name? The Orioles guy? Yes, yeah. the, the shortstop, Hunter. Renfro. No, Jamie, that's... 
It's a good. It's a good no, try. No, Jamie, that's a football Gunner, player. Gunner Henderson. <laughs> oh, you were Gunner way closer. Henderson. You were way closer. Hunter Renfro is literally a different human being. Well, He's a actually, veteran player who's been around. Two Hunter Renfros. Gunner Henderson. He didn't get called up until later on in the year. So that, I think, is the first thing, Andrew. This, the second thing is, in terms of playing Jordan Walker in center field, Tyler O'Neill is arguably your best center fielder. Dylan Carlson was tabbed as the center fielder when Harrison Bader was traded. So I think they, to the Texter's point, maybe they let that play out a little bit last year, plus you're dealing with a variety of injuries. O'Neill wasn't healthy all year. He's in and out of the lineup. Now that you have a fresh a fresh start in spring training, you can kind of let this thing play out to see who, who, who wins that job. But when Walker breaks, whether he breaks camp with the Cardinals or eventually he's, he, he comes up, I think he's going to be your starting left fielder. I don't think the center field is, especially without the shifts now and all that, I mean, it, it affects the infield more than outfield. But when it comes to playing center field, I don't think that's a job for, for a rookie that, uh, that's not his natural baseman? position. It's first baseman? Yeah. The outfield's not even his natural position. No, and he could play it. Every, everybody's saying that, but I'm just saying that that's a lot to ask of a young man. Like, yeah. Why don't we just let him get to the majors? Let's let us let him get settled right. and worry about, oh, I don't know, center field, like way down the road if it's even an option. If it's an option. Exactly. All right, but we appreciate the mic drops here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending coming up next. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, Christian Yelich, and I don't know if this is a, just a Wisconsin thing, but uh, he went off the grid to recharge for the 2023 season. Now, I'm not sure if him and Aaron Rodgers went to the same dark hole or what was going on Gotta there, but... There. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it looks like Christian Yelich trying to get back to where he once was uh, because he used to be a, a pretty a pretty good player, Anthony. Yeah. yeah. Can they all fit in the same dark hole? Well, yeah. I don't know. Do they know that they're... I mean, maybe. Could they both be in there at the same time? Like, what if they run into each other? Mm-hmm. You know. They just can't make eye contact then. Yeah. Well, it's dark. Well, I don't so. think you can. Right. Yeah. Anyways, um... 
Yeah, what is with this? Is this like a new? I, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm out of the loop. I've got well, kids, so, so is this like a new way? It is like we just getting off social this. media. You and I should go to this the same dark hole. Really? <laughs> together. Just being there together, huh, Jamie? Yeah. Hanging I, out for research and development. Mm. Don't you think? So we know we're talking about here because apparently this is a cool thing to do. Apparently, yeah. I don't know why. What, what is Christian? Is Christian Yellis going to find a like a, a, a better back in that dark hole? Maybe he's getting his karma <laughs> punched at the same time. Maybe Anthony, he's not actually going to the dark hole. Oh, okay. He's, he's just, just staying he's... off social media. Okay. Oh, so he well, now, Marsha, you worded that like he was on the retreat with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's what it sounded like to, to us. Wow. Well, yeah. no. I was like, okay. I mean, he plays in the same market. Well, uh-huh. that's what that's what I thought. I mean, obviously, you could you know you could put the two together. Sure. Probably doesn't have a hard time getting a hold of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Probably not. Christian Yelich. Yeah. Of course. Call hey. me. You know? Do you think he says, hey, Rogers, it's Yelly. What's up? <laughs> it's Yelly. <laughs> Raji, it's Yelly. Raji. <laughs> How are you doing, Christian? <laughs> Just relax, Christian. Uh, the Brewers, uh, We look, all jokes aside, Brewers better get a revitalized Christian Yelich. All of these moves that that they're making or not making when it comes to like paying Corbin Burns, all a byproduct of paying Christian Yelich what they did. Trade it, not not having them the the money to sign Hater to a long term deal, trading him off. This is a small market team. They need him to be a perennial MVP candidate. Well, he's got to be more than he has been. That's certainly sure. more than he has My been. God. Talk about a disappointment. And then when he got there, he was absolutely mangling baseballs. Mm-hmm. So much so that you were like, Dad, don't pitch to him. Right. Now you're like, just oh, throw he, it. Did, did, I mean, he killed the Do you Cardinals. Remember that? Oh. A couple of years ago, what, two, three, no, three years ago, I think Couldn't it was. Couldn't get him out. You couldn't get him out. I hated that guy. Last now couple I don't years. hate him, which means, guess what? He's, that's because he's not playing well. Yeah, now he comes up and it's like, oh, good, it's Yelich. <clears throat> yeah, well, now he's, you can figure things out, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of the Brewers, uh, they also signed Luke Voigt to a minor league contract. How about that? Boy, a minor league off. deal for Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. Wow, how the how the mighty have fallen. I was thinking about this, too. I looked up at the screen at one point, and MLB Network, they're going through you know notable signings for every team. For the Cardinals, of course, it was just Wilson Contreras, but right next to it, minors, Oscar Mercado. And it's funny because he was also one of the names that we throw out. Oh, you lost Luke Voigt and Oscar Mercado, and you missed out. And you, you should have had Yelich over Ozuna. I mean, a lot of the moves that we have seen. Yeah. You know, Contra is a different category. No, but there's more balance than people think. The more you. There's probably, yourself. actually, the scale's probably tipped to where there's more, we'll call them duds, mm-hmm. than the ones that came off as rock stars. Even Randy sure. Rosarena. He's a good player, but he's not like a Hall of Famer. He's not like a like Alcantara. Yes, I mean he he's like on another level. Right. There's no doubt. But then when you take in the fact that Luke Voigt, you moved on from him, uh, Mercado, you moved on from him, Yelich, you didn't get Yelich, you got Ozuna. But look at Yelich the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure the list is probably equally as long on both sides of it. Sure. Which we don't think of because Luke Voigt was mashing baseballs two years ago. Right. Last year was meh, and now but he's on a minor league deal. The Cardinals made that deal with the Yankees. They they acquired Giovanni Gallegos yep. for Luke Voigt. So who won that one? 
Well, the Cardinals end up winning that one. Long for the duration of the trade, like as far as uh, longevity of the player being relevant, the Cardinals are, are winning that one. Mm-hmm. Luke Voigt, sure, he, a couple years ago, everybody was like, I can't believe we got rid of Luke Voigt. Sure. Now look at, he might have a bounce back season in Milwaukee, and I yep. hope he does. For him, great. Yeah, local product. Yeah. <clears throat> Here he's not a great guy. To, what? Um, when he's not playing well. Oh, come on. Yeah. Guy right. wants to play. Yeah, I, I heard it from a lot of people, actually. That's unfounded. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's founded. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I'm willing to uh, willing to say it live on the air, like I just did. Yep. Mm. Can be uh, prickly. He's a competitor. He's passionate. Mm. There's a word in there for it, but can't say it on the air. Okay. Guys, according to David Carr, his brother Derek's free agency will be a long process. And he will do his due diligence. So long process. Ironically, the same thing that uh, Houston fans said during his five years there as a quarterback. Oh, but uh, what do you, what? you and I have offensive tackles. He had great hair, too. What do you guys think of Derek Carr taking his time and, and really putting in uh, some thought to where he wants to play? I think this all sounds good until the agent gets on the phone and says, hey, why don't we go ahead and let's 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 narrow down the teams here and let's <laughs> let's move it before oh I don't know Aaron Rodgers gets traded and maybe or maybe not Lamar Jackson gets traded and Jimmy G is signed and whoever else is out there and then all of a sudden you're left with one team and you're not getting the deal you wanted and it wasn't really who you wanted to play for but everybody else filled their quarterback spots. Hmm. I actually think it's a smart idea for him to uh, maybe not play the long game per se, but to definitely, in my opinion, evaluate the best situation for him because he's coming off a year that wasn't great. He's coming off a year where he ended up getting benched for the last, what, three weeks of the season to where they literally told him, like, don't even come to the field type thing with a team that has an awful record. So I think if I'm Derek Carr, I'm looking for a situation to where I can bounce back. I can be in a good system. I can be with some good players, the good OC with a quarterback's coach. That's good. Like something like that. So I don't think it's stupid that he's taking his time to make sure he's still ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. He's still got a, a head start on, on other guys. Certainly right now. No, I think this is a very important decision. You should not rush it. But the idea of Derek Carr saying, you know what? It's going to be a long process. No, it ain't. Not if these other quarterbacks well, start falling in place. Too, though. Could be playing the game. He might have an offer on the table, and it's okay. It's mm-hmm. mid, and maybe he wants it to be better. And then the people think, well, if he's going to take a long time, like we need to know who the hell our quarterback's going to be. Why don't we throw a little extra here, a little right. more guaranteed? Yeah, that's a good call. He, you know? he doesn't want a mid-offer. It's he all wants, a process, Anthony. He the wants negotiation a major. tactics are everywhere. They're all around us. <laughs> the inches we need. So you know how some of the NFL with your fingernails, Marsh, for those negotiations. Okay. Or offers. I don't know. Uh, You know, some of those like NFL coaches and execs, they were basically saying that Derek Carr was like sensitive and and whatnot. Like they're all anonymous, but like, can you see him playing in New York with that kind of? I think he's going to wind up in Charlotte. I think he's going to wind up with the Carolina Panthers. That's what that's I think that's he what might I think. End up as a Falcon, to be honest. I don't think so. I don't think they're going for. I don't him. like yours either. Well, I'm sorry. I just tried. I, my bad. I was having an opinion on our I tried opinionated to have one radio too, show, and you kicked it. Yeah, I did. He's not going to be a Falcon. Like it's weird. Put it on the board. It's a weird moment for you to flex. 
I don't think Derek Carr is going to be a Falcon. Like at all. I don't think he's going to be a Panther. Okay. Like at all. Fine. I think you're both wrong. Where's it going? I, I don't know. <laughs> just say it. We'll just have the, we'll have the I NFC South. Have the, Saints, we'll have the NFC South just surrounded. He should go to the Buccaneers is where he should go. He, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad for the play. way he plays. It would be a bad perfect play. for him. They just have no cap space. The Saints are in cap hell too. Yeah, they got issues. It's really hard to you know formulate an answer when it's going to be such a long process. That's you true. Know what I'm saying, yeah, you're so. taking your time, Marshall. Yeah, for sure. Yep. yep. All right, uh, Wilson Contreras. Uh, I thought I thought it was interesting that Ke- it was Ken Rosenthal's article in the Athletic talking about some of the fallout a little bit with Wilson Contreras in Chicago and how he wound up in St. Louis. And after I was done reading it, despite some things they were like, oh, okay, boy, that doesn't sound good. I was honestly kind of fired up, boys. I was fired up. I think this is going to be a hell of a year for Wilson Contreras. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic wrote a pretty in-depth piece on Wilson Contreras detailing what sort of uh, player the Cardinals are getting in uh, in the free agent from the Cubs. And I thought it was I thought it was kind of enlightening in some areas. So this is what Rosenthal wrote in uh, his piece at The Athletic talking about what happened a year ago with the Cubs and Contreras. He says, still, Contreras's approach occasionally frustrated Cubs manager David Ross, a former catcher, and the team's coaching staff, according to sources with knowledge of the situation who were granted to speak candidly. Contreras prepared, he worked hard, but he did not always prepare and work in the way coaches wanted. Contreras talked about how he feels very comfortable with the way everything went down, knows that he worked hard, knows that he prepared for every game, knows that he was working with a young Cubs pitching staff, or mostly young Cubs pitching staff, and he needed to adjust his game. It couldn't be a cookie-cutter approach because you're not dealing with veterans. Outside of Kyle Hendricks and Marcus Stroman, you're dealing with, again, mostly a young Cubs staff. So Contreras may have done things differently because he was working with different pitchers. This all makes sense to me. But when you have a guy that is signed to a multi-year deal, you are, Jamie, taking a huge risk. For all the fanfare that teams like the Mets and Padres and Phillies are receiving again this offseason, for the spending, you, don't forget, are, high, are, are, are basically hiring mercenaries. These are players that did not grow up in your organization. They weren't drafted by your organization. They don't know how you've done it. And on top of that, you're paying them a buttload of money Mm -hmm. to come in and in some respects be a bit of a savior. Like Trey Turner signed by the Phillies. You need to be a bit of a savior for us. Despite the fact that we go all these guys, $300 million puts you kind of in that savior, savior category. And all the expectations and the pressure comes with that too. So the Cardinals with Contreras, you're taking a huge risk. We love the deal. We love the signing. You were not there in Chicago 
for the start or the end. You don't know how it went down. Mm-hmm. You can ask people. You can ask Contreras. You can ask whoever. Your inside sources that may have connections with the Cubs and all that and get an idea of what happened with Contreras a year ago. But ultimately, you don't know. You're taking that risk. But when a guy signs a huge contract, Jamie, and then and then goes down to spring training and says, I'm not going to play in the WBC. There's too much work to do here. Mm-hmm. That is a guy to me that understands his role, the significance of his role, and the importance of working with pitchers that he doesn't know yet. That showed me, I don't know about you, but that showed me a lot right from the get-go. Anthony, I don't care at all what the hell happened in Chicago. I don't. Screw them. They sucked. Who the hell wants to show up and do all that stuff? They sucked. He's a passionate guy who wants to win. That's all I've heard from anybody who is around the Cubs organization or uh, have covered the games is that he's a passionate guy. He's fiery. He wants to win at all cost. And he wanted to be there. The Cubs did not want to win at all cost. So if the, this is the same group of people that were like, well, Ryan O'Reilly literally cl- he quit on the Buffalo Sabres. No, he didn't. They sucked, too. He wanted out of there. They didn't have a good culture. They didn't have a good team. Ryan O'Reilly is one of the hardest working guys, and yet he's sitting there going, I can't be the only guy doing this. Amazing how it changed when he got to St. Louis. His, right? only, his only crime was that he was honest, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. And as far as this is considered for Contreras, I don't care what happened. I really don't, because it happened when he was not in a Cardinals uniform. So is there some risk? Yeah. Did they talk to him before they signed him? Probably. Did John Mosellock just sight unseen? Oh, put it in offer. I've never seen him play. No. He knows exactly what he's getting. You don't Mm -hmm. think that players talk? Players that were on the Cubs with him, players talk to players, talk to GMs, talk to whoever. They knew what they were getting, and they realized that we're not going to suck and we have a lot of guys, the veteran guys here, that can not necessarily hold him accountable, that can help him through a leadership standpoint so he doesn't feel like he's alone he's on a guy. deserted island. Right. So that's my opinion on it. I'm mm. not worried at all. No, no, I, I, I completely all. agree. People could probably say the same about Yachty, to be honest. Yachty was tough on young pitchers. He was. You look at some of the pitchers, their body language, when Yachty would get pissed at them. They didn't like it. But why do we tolerate it? Why Why was it okay for Yachty to be angry or put those guys or be tough to deal with for some of those guys? But, mm-hmm. you know, Contreras has his own version of what went on there. But why is it okay for one and not the other? It can't be. For me, your quarterback has to have a little bit of sandpaper. Or yeah. not your quarterback, your catcher has to be. Same idea. Um, you know, has to have the sandpaper a little bit prickly back there behind the plate. It's yeah. got a lot to worry about. All I care about is what Contreras does with the birds on the bat on his chest and what he does as far as with this pitching staff. I don't yep. care about what happened, the hearsay in Chicago. No, I, I agree. I don't so, have time for it. So Rosenthal also noted Contreras promised to do the same for the Cardinals in terms of preparation during a passionate three-and-a-half-hour sit-down in Orlando with President of Baseball Operations John Mazalak and manager Ali Marmel shortly before the winter meetings. The discussion persuaded the Cardinals to abandon their efforts to trade for a catcher and intensify their pursuit of Contreras as a free agent. And through spring training, and though spring training has just begun, Gun. The Cardinals are raving about Contreras' commitment to his pitchers, not questioning it. Marmel also noted that Contreras requested video and internal scouting reports of the Cardinals starters and several of their relievers. 
this is all things that we as fans just say, well, of course, why wouldn't you? You're a new player. You want to get to know your team. Jamie, I'm sure you can point to various spots uh, along your career in the NHL where where guys got paid and popped it into neutral and oh, yeah. said, yep, this is I'm good. I got paid now. I'm fine. Had a guy every other year on the team that would be like that. Sure. Because, again, this this, this was my <clears throat> point about hired mercenaries. You don't know. And then you pay them a bunch of money, and you think you're getting the same player. I think the Cardinals are getting the same player, despite paying him. I think he's going to have an outstanding year. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he's got a lot to prove, Especially too. after all this crap now coming And th- the Cubs were trying to actively trade him, too. Yeah, they, they, were had, trying a to act- so, they had a deal done with Houston. What, not that he should be Almost pissed so. off about that, but still, like, what do you want him to invest into all of your pitching staff and do all that when you're, like, trying to shove him out the door? Right. I don't care. Well, I even don't so, care. if you're David Ross, too, if you're David Ross, you're a former catcher, you did it a certain way, you still would want Wilson Contreras to be Wilson Contreras. But it doesn't mean he has – Ross doesn't have the control of the team. He has the – he gets to uh, manage the players that are in his dugout and manage the players that the team wants to put in the lineup. He doesn't have the final say. It's not like Ross is sitting there going, okay – I'm gonna. I want this player here. This player. No, the the GM and the president of baseball operations. Here's your roster for today. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Well, I want Contreras in there. We don't. Oh, okay. We're trying to trade him, but I'd like to keep him. We're not. Okay. What do you do? Right. You do what you're told to do. Mm-hmm. Do what you're told. Yeah, and I think that. Look, I think Contreras coming here to the Cardinals in particular, and there are other teams around the league. I think if you went to the Yankees. Um, I think if you went to the Dodgers, where there is a high expectation for players to win, to perform well. And whether our fan base here likes it or not because we're in the NL Central and they think, oh, we don't have to do much, you're still a winning franchise. You're the second winningest franchise in all of Major League Baseball. Well, that was this many years ago. I know, but so many teams have never even gotten close to what the Cardinals have done over the course of their franchise, the history of the franchise let alone in the last 10 years or five years or six years, whatever it is, to where they're they're in the conversation, man. That's exciting for a guy like Contreras. That's exciting to go to a team that's you know should be in the playoffs mm-hmm. year after year after year. Because you catch lightning in a bottle just once, and you got a championship team. Yep. So I'm I'm expecting the best version of him. Same. Uh one other thing, Mo Mo noted that watching Contreras, he he hated him. He hated he hated Playing against Contreras, or, or the feeling of the Cardinals playing against That's Contreras. That's all I need. It's perfect signing. Mm-hmm. And he, the, the only other player that he compared to was my favorite player growing up when I was a kid is Will Clark. Okay. Hated, hated, hated when Will Clark was with the Giants, eventually got to the Cardinals, you love him. Contreras, you may have hated him because he's good. Comes here, and I think he's going to be well-liked. I think he's going to have a big year. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Blues, as we know, they've been traders at the at the deadline, sellers at the deadline. Could they also still be buyers, though? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We're right back to the Fast 
Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey, boys. It's your punching bag, 618. Just wanted to say that uh, I'm proud of Army. I'm happy that we made some moves, got some, some draft picks. Hopefully, they're going to make a difference. At least Army's willing to make moves, unlike a certain Pobo who keeps a hold of the Fabergé eggs like he's going to make an omelet at some point, but never does. So um, congrats, Army. I think you should go a little deeper and really rebuild this team to fit Maruby and win us another championship. At least you talk about winning cups, unlike Moselock and DeWitt, who are happy enough to get in the playoffs and barely make it. So congratulations, Army. Good job. All right, there you go. The 618. I love that he's leaving us mic drops. It's fantastic, Jamie. 618? Yeah. He doesn't sound as angry at us through his voice than he does through his texts. Well, that's why we encourage people to, to leave us mic yeah, drops. Because I read everything negative. Yeah, well. Everything. I mean, it's tough. Well, I mean that They're mic like, drop was still a little bit negative. Still but negative. it wasn't towards yeah, us. But it was, no, it wasn't the... I don't think. Oh, no, I don't think I so. I felt it was more towards John Mozeliak, who, by the way, I mean... He's only landed you two of the best players in all of Major League Baseball with his trades. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I know he's not aggressive. Okay. Yeah. Two years ago, Jimmy. Yeah. What done... have you done for me lately, right? Yeah. Oh, and he, he signed the best free agent catcher that was available, too. Yeah. In December. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. December. Anyways, it's, it's good it's points. February. Nonetheless, now. good points. Could the Blues be uh, buyers, too, Jamie? You were spitting, you were spitting some oh, nonsense, nonsense in the office earlier about how the Blues could be buyers, too. Yeah. It could. Explain yourself. Um, Well, Anthony, Doug Armstrong kind of told us uh, the way he was thinking, too, that he's uh, he's not just going in one direction. It's not a complete, like, rebuild where I'm liquidating and I'm just going to get all these draft picks and we're going to have a bunch of young guys that we spin the roulette wheel on and hope it lands, right? He didn't say that. He said, we're getting all these assets, and I don't know yet how I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting direct. I'm paraphrasing. I don't know yet how we'll use these assets. Will we select the player with the draft pick, or will we use these assets to go get current players? Mm-hmm. Well, Frank Saravelli reporting today that the Blues are in on Timo Meyer what? of the San Jose Sharks. And um, I find that interesting for, well, a variety of reasons. But uh, for me... It does make some sense, ish. You don't sound you don't sound convinced no, right now. I, Tell us why. Tell us why it doesn't make sense to to acquire Timo Meyer. Well, this is a ten million dollar player next year, and that's why, for me, it's not that the player doesn't make sense. I just don't know how you make the money work. Um, that that's the difficult part of it. If you look at Timo Meyer. Um, you know, his qualifying offer just to retain his rights next year. So let's back it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is very much a John Mosellock move. It really is. Go acquire a player that still has some team control left on his deal. Bring him in. Uh, you, you're, you're completely confident that your culture, your coaching staff, the city, the St. Louis Blues, you're completely confident the player is going to like that or has heard about it. He certainly has played against you. Many times. So he's seen how it is in St. Louis here. So you're bringing him in. You're hoping that maybe we can get a contract extension with said player. If so, then the $10 million QO becomes irrelevant. 
because you're not going to offer him a long-term deal where he's making $10 million a year. Maybe you get him in the $8 million range, but you got to give him eight years. He's 26 years old, eight years. It's a long contract. That's, that's venturing into the area where Army doesn't like to venture too, too much, too often. So to me, it's, it's interesting. And if you look at <clears throat> Timo Meyer over the course of um, the last two years, because those are true official years of pandemic years and wacky wonky stuff here. Um, before the pandemic, he had 66 points in 78 games. Not bad. Last year, 76 points in 77 games. So basically a point-a-game guy. This year, 52 points in 57 games. That's on a team that's not great the mm-hmm. last couple of years. So he's essentially a point-a-game guy, which... If you're looking at comparables, that's Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. Eight times eight is basically what you gave them. Would you give the same to Timo Meyer? Probably. But then where are you finding the money? You can say, hey, I got Tarasenko and O'Reilly off the books. That's $15 million. Maybe get another million dollars here with Mika Lagan as well. Still need to roster a team, though. Yeah, you don't have you don't have a full roster. And then maybe maybe the move is to load up like that. And then you have a bunch of young players next year in your lineup. That's risky. Mm-hmm. It's risky. So when I look at the Blues' projected cap space uh, for next year, right now they, they sit, they're sitting at, uh, let's see here, roughly 58, let's say $60 million just just because. But they have one, two, three, four, five, five UFAs and three RFAs next year. You got a lot of money you got to spend here. So do I like the idea? Let's I guess let's break this into two parts. Let's go player. Let's go business. Yeah. Do I like the player? Yes. 100%. I think that he would be great on this team. He's got some grit. He's got some sandpaper to his game. Uh, he's not a, he's not afraid to play uh, rough. He'll get to the front of the net. He's got a great, he's a goal scorer when it comes to shooting the puck. Yes. Thank you. Sign me up. Big physical guy. He would fit in great with the St. Louis Blues and with Craig Berube. Now, the business side of it, <clears throat> the cap is supposed to remain relatively flat. It could go up a million dollars or maybe at the top end, if things go fantastic, I'm hearing it could go up maybe three or four million. Still doesn't offer you a lot of wiggle room. So I just don't know how you do it without getting rid of somebody that's making big money. But in that deal, you know, maybe there's a three-way deal again. Maybe you're sending a player to Team X and Team O'Meyer go, and you make that trade to yeah, where but- that player agrees to go to said team because he has a no-trade clause. But know. but you still have to roster a team. I, I I'm with I'm with you here. I don't know I don't know enough about. I know that Timo Myers is sought out. I know that he's a good player. But when it's to the Blues, and, I, and I'm all for, I'm, I'm often the guy that's like, hey, acquire the talent and then figure it out. But in a salary cap sport, it's 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 difficult, right? In in baseball, it's a little less challenging because again, you don't you don't have the cap. But when it comes to a cap sport, you're looking at filling the entire roster. I mean, guys, I, I'm not I, I'm not being critical here, but you look at these potential line combinations tonight. Uh, I mean, it is you're barren right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to rebuild this team, and you're paying Robert Thomas, and you're paying Jordan Cairo, and you're paying Braden Shen, and your top four defensemen are all making money and turn all of them. So, how do you build a team successfully by by also adding Timo Meyer? 
One of those pieces has to go. So in order for this to work, one of your six-plus million-dollar players has to go. Where? They all have no trade clauses. You might say, you might say as a Blues fan, okay, great, uh, fine, Pareko or whoever. But what Jamie just said is vital. Who's going to take on that contract, which you need off your books, in full, and still give you something in return? And they got to approve it. Right. That's the biggest thing. We're getting a lot of texts right now to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, talking about, well, Krug, Pareko, there's your money. Okay, where are you sending them? Because they're not going to agree. Odds are they wouldn't agree to go to San Jose, who is in a full rebuild. Without Timo Meyer and without Eric Carlson, who's probably going to get moved too, they're going to be even worse. So you're looking at misery You worked your butt off to get the no-trade clause so you could avoid situations like this to Mm -hmm. where your money becomes a hindrance to your team, and then they send you to an awful team to ride it out into the sunset. Right. You're going to say no. So how does it work then? It's easy to say, well, the math is right there. No, it isn't. You have to – anything that has a no-trade clause, you have to ignore the math on that. You have to find a way to make that player happy. I get, I get it. You're looking at it from the Blues perspective. I do. I understand that. We run in the, we run into this all the time with the Cardinals. Well, just trade so and so, or just dump so and so. In order, Flaherty is a perfect example. Well, just get rid of him. Why are you frustrated with Jack Flaherty? You're frustrated in part. Maybe, why are you, why are you the, pointing at me, tweets Anthony? And stuff like that. Well, I, Jamie, at Jamie already established he wasn't listening earlier, so I'm just What's talking that? to you, Mark. That's, that's fair. Exactly. You, you, you're frustrated with Jack Flaherty because he's he's not available. He's not pitching. What do you think other teams are, do, are looking at? You think they're going back to like his uh, 2019 <clears throat> highlights and saying, you know what? Yeah, we'll take him. No, they're not. You go to YouTube looking at his highlights. They, they're well aware of. The fact that he hasn't been healthy for you. They're not gonna, they're not just going to take him. Yeah. So in the case of the Blues, Colton Parade, Colton Parade, just trade him. There's your money. If you're frustrated watching him, what do you think other teams are looking and at? And that team has to have salary cap space too. Absolutely. So the game of just moving players is not viable. And one thing we, we're getting here on the text line, and I guess Alex Ferrario uh, probably jokingly said, well, what if he traded Cairo for Meyer? <laughs> Why would you do that? Okay. A couple of reasons here. A couple of things. Let, let's digest that comment. And I, I don't know the context. I think Alex was just saying, it. you know, if you wanted your dollar in, dollar out. I think that's what he was referring to. Kyrou's 24, Myers 26. Kyrou, over the last two seasons, has been better than Timo Meyer. So if, he, if he's a better player and he's got two years in the bank on said player, and the ceiling for me, for Jordan Cairo, is way higher than Timo Meyer. That, even, even if they were identical as players, why would you make that lateral move? Then you're right back in the exact same position. Right. <laughs> You've got to pay the guy. If you're, yeah, but, yeah. but either yeah, way, so, you're paying right. Kyra. It's exactly. literally a wash. Right. And you're right back in the same position where, like, well, who's going to play with Meyer and Thomas then? <laughs> right. right. Right? Like, so. And he's two years older, as you mentioned. He's two years older. So if I'm the Blues and I'm looking to add Timo Meyer, it's to play him with Booch, Thomas, Kyra, Shen, like to add him to that group. So now I've got a true top six forward unit. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. How the math would work. 
And that's my problem with it. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it, though. Like the Blues in this front office, they put themselves in this situation. Yeah. They thought the window was going to be. Yeah, I mean, open more. Open maybe this isn't a, a year thing. Maybe it maybe it takes a, a few more years and we go from there. But I I still don't think Doug Armstrong's going to hold on to all three first round picks. No, it would be foolish not. to do so because, right. and another thing too, I heard it today earlier. I don't know if it was a text that was being read or whatever, depending on where the team's finished in the playoffs, that's irrelevant. The regular season is where your draft position is locked in, except for the teams that are in the lottery because they obviously they have the lottery for a reason. But the other teams like the Toronto pick and the Ranger pick, they're going to finish somewhere at the top of the league. It doesn't matter if they lose in the first round or if they go all the way to Stanley Cup. Where they're locked in at the end of the season, where that pick will be. So if I'm the Blues right now, this is a very deep draft. If I'm looking to make a move on a Team O'Meyer, and if I'm Doug Armstrong and I know the math can work, I don't know how it is, but if I'm Army, you know, he's got access to what's going on. He's had conversations. I would move one of those picks and maybe a Zachary Bolduc for Timo Meyer because that's what the Sharks want. They want to be able to draft a player and they want a good young player that could come in and help. Zachary Bolduc, will he have the same effect on your franchise over the next six, seven years as Timo Meyer? Probably not. Probably going to spend the first two or three years in the minors and then you don't know. Right, so I would do that for sure. I, I'd hang on to Jimmy Snuggerud. I think he's got a higher upside than Zachary Bolduke does. But I definitely don't see Army getting to the draft table with all three picks in the first round. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. There is kind of a new model in baseball. Um, maybe not even a new model, but but a team that is spending big this offseason that's actually doing it in a, in a in an interesting way on the back end. We'll, we'll tell you what that team is and why they they might be even more dangerous in the National League than what we previously thought. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. MLB has a new committee that exclusively composed of owners and chaired by Mark Walter of the Dodgers. We'll get into that in a second. But, Jamie, I know that you wanted to uh, – you were looking at stuff during the break uh, that we were talking about with uh, the, the the way that the draft is set up and the yeah. order and all that. Yeah. And uh, there was some seemed to be some disagreement. But apparently everybody's right. Go ahead and yeah, explain. Yeah, so – what I did forget about is that the top four teams, meaning the the final four, as you call it in the NCAA, that alters the picks a little bit. And so, if the the Stanley Cup champion picks last, the runner up twenty, uh, the, you know, 29th. 29th. The loser of the Stanley Cup picks 29th. The loser of the Stanley Cup gets the next one, and then it would be the order of the third and fourth place team in the bottom four. So. The final four end up with the worst four draft picks, per se, or the lowest draft picks. And then um, from 15 to 26 or 27, it's based on your regular season standings. And then the bottom tier is all in the lottery. So there you go. Makes sense. Either way, the Rangers and Maple Leafs are going to finish somewhere where those picks are not going to be as valuable in the first round. Even though it's a deep draft, but it could be valuable in acquiring another player. 
because it is a deep draft, some teams might look at that and go, you know what? We have a guy pegged at 25, 26 that could be one heck of a player. And you get those players pegged, they're worth it. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. So again, uh, Major League Baseball has a new committee. They're they're looking into things like uh, the future distri- distribution of games and television and spending and blah 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 blah. Things you don't care about. Uh, revenue disparity, though, between owners is something that I think fans care about. How much teams, uh, especially if you're in markets like oh I don't know Pittsburgh where they're not trying or Oakland where they're not trying. I thought that that Stephen Cohen in this article by The Athletic where that, that kind of details the the issues facing Major League Baseball from a spending standpoint. I thought what Stephen Cohen said, and he's the Mets owner, Jamie, uh, about... Oh, well, you know, hey, just making sure everybody knows who Stephen Cohen is. Yeah. Again, I know who Mets, Steve so, Cohen is. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily talking just to you, Jamie. I got this thing's called well, the microphone. Why did you say my name then? I don't believe I did until afterwards, but maybe I did. did. Hey, Andrew, you heard him. I heard... The name. He said Stephen you know Cohen. What, He's Jamie. the owner of the Mets, Jamie. Yeah, if I said, you know, if I said it that way, Jamie, and I uh, offended you, I'm sorry. I was offended a little bit because it made it sound like I wouldn't know who he is. And yeah. That's not the case. No, I get that. I think, yes. it, I think it might have been like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sure. Also talking to everyone listening. Right. My, right. Maybe. I don't so know. So now you're saying I took it personally when I shouldn't have. Well, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just assuming. Hey, whatever, guys. Just go on. I think, Jamie, what uh, Marsh and I are saying is, one, your feelings are valid, and uh, we care about you, mm-hmm. and now we're sorry. Me. We're sorry. I don't like it. That you feel that way. Stephen Cohen, the Mets owner, he said this. He says, I'm not going to get into the economics. You know, you got to remember, I'm investing in this team. Right now, I'm, u- I'm used to investing in my hedge fund. I'm used to it. I take a longer-term point of view and not a short-term point of view. And you got to remember that we're holding on to our prospects. And so while we're spending money, we're also creating assets what they consider asset value in baseball. So there's multiple ways to look at it. And, you know, you don't always want to just look at it year to year. Mo said that? No, it was Stephen Cohen. Oh, you mean the guy that spends all that money? <laughs> Stephen yeah, Cohen spends a bunch of money. I think that what's important about listening to that is it sounds a lot like the Dodgers. Bingo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, now, mind you, he's spending a lot more than the Dodgers. He doesn't seem to give a you-know-what about the luxury tax. He's like, bring it. Yeah. Bring it. But he's also hanging on to his prospects. So the way he's doing it, although it is um, over the top and probably excessive with the spending that's going on, he's not, he's not literally going all or nothing. Because if the spending doesn't bring a World Series in the next two to three seasons or four seasons, then maybe the prospects turn into players that can help him bring a championship to the Mets. Right. So it's he's kind of a uh, an evil genius right now. If he if he sticks to it now, of course the prospects also have to have to they have to pan out, and we'll see what the Mets do at the trade deadline because they could always pivot and. Say, hey, we're close to maybe winning a World Series. Let's trade some of these prospects and get uh, another big-time talent. But, Jamie, at least the notion on paper, if, he, if, it, if it plays out this way, the Mets are going to be a problem for a while. The Mets are not in the same, same category as the Padres, who have depleted their farm system. <laughs> yeah, the cupboards are bare, Anthony. In, so, that they, so that they can build <laughs> this kind of super team on the fly. Yeah. And, yeah, they're spending money. But they again, they they've traded they traded for Blake Snell they traded for Manny Machado they traded or no they signed Manny Machado excuse me they they traded for Juan Soto they traded for 
Uh, there was another player they traded for not too long ago. Tommy Pham? Not well. They did, but there's another mm. bigger player. I'll think of it. But the Padres are in a different category here. Steve Stephen Cohen's got a unique view on this. It says, okay, yeah, I got a bunch of money. I'll spend it. But we're, but we're going to protect our farm system, too. And you're right, Jamie. It, it is, it is kind of similar to the Dodgers. But the Dodgers, while they have always had a very good farm system, they'll dip into the well to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They'll dip in the well to get Manny Machado. They were the team that traded traded for yeah, him. But where the where the Mets don't have to do that now, and so so this is kind of Cohen's kind of upped the game a little bit here. Yeah, and hear me out. It's the fact that the Dodgers spend, mm-hmm. but they also have all their prospect. But like you said, well, they're not afraid to trade certain guys to bring in guys. Cohen's taking that out of play. He doesn't have to trade any prospects. Because when he doesn't like a guy, if the prospect isn't ready to step in and be a major leaguer and contribute, he just goes and buys another guy. So he doesn't have to use the prospects to trade for players. He just goes and buys the players. Right. So he's kind of taken that trade um, option off the table for his club. And for now. We'll for, see. For now. We'll see how it plays out. But now, right if now- he has a guy signed long term and then you have a fantastic prospect that's coming up, now you have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Do I keep the guy that I signed or do I give the the spot to the young guy who looks like he's ready, or do I trade either one of these guys and bring in something I really need? It's interesting. We get a text from the 314. Sounds like he's trying to build a perennial powerhouse. I remember watching the Patriots in the 90s and and uh, just see how terrible they were. I guarantee you that the team is worth 10 times more now than it was back then. Where are you, build? Oh, I'm just I'm just reading how it's texted. Uh, where are you build value on the sports franchise? As far as I can tell, is by winning. Sounds like he's willing to write a couple years off in order to increase the overall value of the team ten years down the road, which makes sense to me. Hmm. I think the the key there, from what I could tell from the text and reading this article myself, and how Cone is kind of doing things, he even says it. He, he's got the long term play in view. So he's increasing the value of the organization to the texter's point. He's also, if he's ever going to sell it someday, he don't want to leave the cupboards bare. He'll still make money. It's a, it's a, it's one, it's, it's one of 30 pieces of gold. Yeah. But when it comes to understanding how, how, how you win, he's not this wheel and deal, screw it, let's just go owner that I, I, I've kind of perceived him as. This is not... And Dave Dombrowski's not an owner, he's a GM. But Dave Dombrowski's always the guy that's like, I don't care about prospects, have them all. I want proven talent. And he has spent and spent and spent and spent. If the Phillies don't win, you've got nothing to fall back on. If the Padres don't win, you have nothing to fall back on. If the Mets don't win, well, it sounds like Cohen at least has kind of that safety net in place where he's not attacking the farm system. Again, yet, we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, one more, Marsh. Yeah, from the 618, isn't that what the cards are doing by signing Contreras, spent money on a catcher instead of trading prospects? Yes, it is, but the Cardinals are, what, 16th in payroll right now? So they're not, I mean, they're, they're spending on Arnado, they're spending on Goldschmidt, they're spending on Contreras. Payroll went up, Anthony. Payroll went up for somehow, magically. By pennies, probably. But they're, yeah, yes, they are, but they were all in on seemingly a catcher. Like a uh, Murphy from from Oakland, but, but at that point got, they didn't want to give up as much as the A's right. wanted. So they spent they spent money. Mm-hmm. So yes, contrast. loosely yes. 
Kind of the same philosophy when it came to Contreras. All right, our Sports Six Pack is next. Get a question, send it into the Air Comfort Service text line at 314-399-9646. Again, sports, uh, the Sports Six Pack is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. Time for the Sports Six Pack in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. The Air Comfort Service tax line again is 314-399-9646. Question number one. Gentlemen, from the 314, we talked about this St. Louis native yesterday as he debuted or dropped a new shoe line. But from the 314, will Jason Tatum be the next St. Louis native to get a ring? Well, that's a great question. Uh, let's see here. There's a lot of hockey players from St. Louis, Jamie. I mean, the sheer odds of somebody being from St. Louis being on a Stanley Cup (sighs) roster. Well, let's go over that for a second. Um, Mayfield, probably not going to get one with the Islanders. Brady Kachuk, probably not going to get one with the Senators. Clayton Keller, not going to get one with the Coyotes. Joseph Wool, who plays in the American League for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Probably wouldn't be the goalie to be called up. Pat Maroon's. I was, in, I was just going to go. He's in play for sure. Matthew Kachuk in play mm-hmm. in Florida, although they're having a tough time um, getting in there. Hmm. I'm going to say Jason Tatum will not be the next St. Louis hmm. born player to get a ring. No. It'll be Pat, Pat Maroon. Now, if you're talking about first ring, that might be a little different. Mm hmm. But I'll say no. You don't think the Celtics uh, get it done this year? I don't think the Celtics get it done this year. But, oh, man. I mean, you still got to worry about Milwaukee despite their injuries. 76ers are no threat when the postseason comes around. That's your Cowboys, Marsh. That's the Cowboys of the NBA. I mean, not from a popularity standpoint, but just the fact of, like, they're, they're good in the regular season, they have good elements, and they get to the postseason, then forget it. I mean, the, the Bucks, the Bucks are their major issue there in the East. And then when you go out West, it's more wide open this year, though Denver's absolutely running, running away with things. But once you get past them, you're looking at, like, Memphis and Sacramento. Sacramento. They're yeah. Relevant. I'll, I'll, st- <laughs> I'll, st- I'll, st- I'll still say no. Even though the Celtics Celtics are good, I'll, I'll I'll go with. I mean, Jamie just threw out a slew. Oh, of, Barrett Jackman just sent a good one. Jacks text me Trent Frederick with the Boston Bruins. I no, forgot that's a, that's a great one. I forgot about no. Ready Freddie. That's a good team there too. So Boston, Jason Tatum with the Celtics, Man. Trent Frederick with the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Serious possibilities, Jacks. Thank you very much. Wow, both those teams an avid won. Listener. Thanks, Jacks. In the same year. That would suck. (laughs) (laughs) That would suck for all of us. Question number two. All right. From the 314, if you had the choice of what the cards outfield would look like on opening day, who would would be in your outfield? Uh, This texter says 
Left field would be Juan Yepes. Center would be Tyler O'Neill. And right field would be Jordan Walker. Wow, so you just replaced almost everybody there. I would say Jordan Walker in left. I would say, I mean, all things being considered, I would say Tyler O'Neill in center, provided he can he can stay healthy. And I think Newt Newt has deserved an opportunity to at least start in right field. Now the 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 odd man out there would be Dylan Carlson. I am not giving up on Dylan Carlson, but as of right now, I think that would be my my starting outfield. And then Juan Yepes would work work with Nolan Gorman. Uh, Nolan Gorman, when it comes to, I always want to say Norman because the storm Norman. Norman. Nolan Gorman uh, in how they're going to use him with the DH. So that would be my starting outfield. Yeah, I'm with Anthony. Question number three. From a 636, hey, Jamie. Mm. I think this one is actually for Jamie. That's the, excellent. Not the listeners. Uh, from the 636, hey, Jamie, what was your favorite moment playing hockey for the Blues? Wow. Okay. Uh, got a couple. Uh, my first game, obviously, that was a big deal. Uh, playing with Wayne Gretzky and Brett Hall at the same time, that was a big deal. And then... Coming back in a playoff series against the Phoenix Coyotes at the time. We were down 3-1 to one in the series. We came all the way back and won it in seven in double overtime. Pierre Turgeon with the goal in double overtime. That was a heck of a memory there, too. So I'd say those ones stick out the most right now. Obviously, you could talk about first NHL goal and things like that, but I always look at it more from a team standpoint. Wasn't your first NHL goal in the playoffs? Uh, no, no. My first NHL goal was against Kirk McLean, the Vancouver Canucks. But in my very first ever playoff game, I scored. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, against Phoenix in that series in nice. game one. A goal and a helper that game, too. Didn't you have, did you have a turnover or something like that that just happened at the prior shift? No, it was, it was actually in game six. And uh, it's funny because... Um, Todd Walsh, who does TV for the Coyotes, was just in town with Tyson Nash and uh, saw both of those guys before the game. And Walsh, he always says, the guy that ruined the Coyotes. And the reason he says that is because in game six, uh, I made a boneheaded play behind the back pass at the blue line. I mean, I thought it was a great decision, except for Keith Kachuk was standing there for the Phoenix Coyotes. He took the puck and went in on a breakaway, and I caught him. But I didn't want to get a penalty shot, and I was kind of like behind him, and I kind of interfered a little bit. He shot the puck, and it hit Grant Fuhr. It was kind of a weird save. And as I was skating back, because I'm going as fast as I can, I go to kind of not run into the net, so I go to like kind of turn away from the net, and I see the puck drop behind Fierzy and start rolling into the net. So I hit the brakes, and I jump over the side of the net and back and shoot the puck out. It was on the goal line. Wow. We come back and win that game and ultimately win the series. Their coach got fired. The GM got fired. They traded Roenick. All this stuff started happening. The owner sold the team. I'm not joking. So while she's like, you ruined the franchise. Wow. And ever since that team, they really haven't been competitive. So it's kind of funny that my awful turnover turned into a game series saving season saving play. But there was a whole chain of events that followed that with the Coyotes. I believe all that would have happened anyways. Mm-hmm. But had they won that series, who knows? You yeah, know what I mean? That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's good. When they say that Jamie Rivers changed lives, I didn't really think that that's what he meant. You know, 
And now, now the Coyotes now are playing in a playing in a, car, uh, in a college barn, Anthony. Yeah, because they are. You're Jamie, welcome for Mullet Arena, okay, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only did I ruin it then, I went back and played for them and ruined it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see if what happens when he's actually on our team. Oh, it's worse. Actually, that was some of my best hockey ever, actually. Was it? Played really well. Gretz let me play. It was awesome. Played nice. 20 minutes a game. There you go. It's like, that's what this feels like? Oh, this is insane. This league's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. I think we're on four. Uh, from, sure. the one, from the 417, who's wearing the C next summer? Braden Shen. Next summer or this summer coming up? I would Let's just say next season. How next season? Say just says next summer. But let's just say Braden Shen. Yeah. Unless, unless... Ryan O'Reilly ends up back here. Uh, if if O'Reilly ends up back here, I think it's a no-brainer. Uh, if not, I also think it's a no-brainer. I think it's Braden Chen. He is the the captain in waiting, we'll call it. Anthony? He's the captain now. He is the captain now. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Appreciate all your your questions. You got uh, one more, Marsh? Are you excited no, to play? Just, Go ahead. Do another one. No, I was just sad we only got the four questions. Well, we could get to five. We could. Well, I don't really feel like it, Anthony. Wow. Okay. I mean, I I tried. I mean, I kind of liked you dropping that power right there. Yeah. Question number five. Oh, boy. From the 636. (laughs) What was it like to play for Wayne Gretzky? So, interesting trivia question. There um, are only three guys in the history of the NHL that played against, with, and for Wayne Gretzky. One of them is Brett Hull. The other, Sean O'Donnell. And the third, Jamie Rivers. No kidding. Yep. That's wild. Uh, Playing for Gretz was awesome, having been teammates before and having known him for uh, an extended period of time, having thrown his daughter in the pool at Brett Hull's wedding. Hmm. We're tight. (laughs) Yeah, we're tight. Um, No, it was great. All jokes aside, what was awesome about it is Barry Smith was the assistant coach in Phoenix at the time, and Barry had been my assistant coach in Detroit. Then when they made the switch to Mike Babcock, he brought in his own staff, so Barry ended up in Phoenix. So I had the advantage of knowing Barry Smith very well and knowing Wayne Gretzky very well. And so when I got there, like they literally said, hey, listen, man, you're going to play big minutes for us. We need you to be a solid player. We need you to uh, help with the young guys. They had Keith Ballard was a young guy. Mikhailik was another guy. And like just some good young players. And so I played a lot. I played power play, penalty kill, regular shift. I was playing 20 to 25 minutes a game. It was awesome. And all they said is like, you know, just come be ready to go every day at practice. Be ready to go for the games. You know, we don't really care what you're doing away from the rink. But at the time, like it was funny because Gretz remembered the young Jamie Rivers, which was, you know, a little wild at times, Anthony. I mean, hmm. I, I know you have a hard time I, I, I believing that. Too. But the veteran Jamie Rivers was very serious about things and, you know, dialed in. And so they got the better version of me. And at the same time, I got the best ice time while playing there. There you go. It was great. I loved it. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Does Tyler O'Neill have the most approved out of any Cardinal in the roster? That's next on 101 Probably. ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
Tyler O'Neill have the most to prove heading into the season? Jamie, I think there's two candidates. If you're looking at this Cardinals roster, there's two. O'Neal I think there's three. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So I've got so let's say let's say together we agree on Tyler O'Neill, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Jack Flaherty. Yep. Paul DeYoung. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Okay, but Anthony, def- listen to your question. Who has the most to prove? Mm-hmm. Why would Paul DeYoung not be in that category? Because he's a to me, bench he's got to prove he. But he's got oh, so there you go. You just answered it. Oh, he's a bench player, so he's yeah. got to prove to you that he's not a bench player. No, he, he does. doesn't. We know he's got a lot to prove, Anthony. He's a bench player, Jamie. Well, of course, he's going. That's where I have him too. But what if he steps into spring training and he's raking? That's fantastic. He'll be a great bench player. Okay, but nonetheless, after the an question is who spring. has something to prove? He does. Maybe to himself. There you go. But he still has something to prove. You know the nature of the question, Jamie. Jordan Walker, too, has something to prove. Okay. He can play. Well, the whole roster. Then. <laughs> Dylan Carlson. Next subject. <laughs> yes, Next. Dylan Carlson's actually a good one. Come on. Adam Wainwright. Dylan Carlson, I'll, get, Dylan, he's Dylan Carlson, I'll give you. Since the injury. Wilson Contreras has to Contreras prove he's a you know, good replacement for Yachty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Paul Goldschmidt has to prove that the MVP wasn't a fluke. Should we keep going? Ty Edmond has to prove that he's a starting shortstop every day in the majors. Nolan Gorman has to prove that he can play at the major league level. Lars Newtbar has to prove that it wasn't a fluke at the end of last season. Juan Yepes has to prove that he can catch a baseball. Should I keep going? Keep going! <laughs> Miles Michaelis has to prove that he can handle the same workload as last year. Jordan Montgomery has to prove that he can start to be an actual guy in your first your starting rotation for the playoffs because he got skipped last year. Dakota Hudson has to prove that he can stay in the majors and be a guy who can contribute. Matthew Libertor has to prove that he's ready to make a major league debut and stay on the roster. Should I keep going? I think you got it. Brendan Donovan has to prove that you don't just bounce him all over the field, that he's a good second baseman. You should leave him there most of the time. What? Did he miss him? Goldschmidt? Goldie has to prove that MVP wasn't a fluke. Anthony, pay attention. Uh I think you missed a pitcher. Yeah, Helsley has to prove that, uh, you know, he's the guy that was in the All-Star game and not the guy that got blown up in the playoffs. Hennessy's? Hennessy's Cabrera's got to prove that he's not just going to hit everybody in the face and then slam the baseball on the ground and yell at Ollie. Can't do that. Gio's got to prove that he can play through a pitch clock. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's a good one. Dakota Hudson? I already mentioned him, Anthony. I said he's got to prove that he can stay on your major league roster and be effective. Mm-hmm. Andre Pallante's got to prove that last year wasn't just a fluke rookie, you know, beginner's luck type thing. Now teams have they figured him out? Does he tip his pitches? He's got to prove that. Steven Matz. He's got to prove he can stay healthy. So I look at it. This is an incredible game. I think I think we've done it. So overall, Anthony, the Zach Cardinals Thompson. have a lot to prove. Zach Thompson has to prove that he's an everyday major leaguer. Last year he was up and down and all around. Mm-hmm. Was he a starter? Is he a bullpen guy? I don't know. Got to prove it to me. I think that did it. Gauntlet next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? (laughs) 
402, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Rick is back for round two after beating Marsh yesterday in a tiebreaker. Rick is back to take on either Jamie or myself today in the fast line. What's up, Rick? Hey, how you doing, Anthony? Doing good. Would you like to take on Jamie in round two, or would you like to take on me today? Well, I'm a big fan of Jamie and you as well, but uh, I'm going to go with Jamie today. All right. I knew it. Jamie had a, yeah, Jamie had a, a kind of a feeling that yep. you were going to take him on. I said, uh, I think I think Tricky Ricky's coming for me, baby. There you go. All right. Well, Jamie, get yep. yourself into the cone of silence. All right. Good luck, Rick. Thanks, buddy. All right. Here we go. So yesterday we got football. Today, what are you hoping for, Rick? Anything but hockey. Anything but <laughs> hockey. It's, pro- it's probably a good call. Yeah, well, uh, Jamie only has one. One victory in the new gauntlet, and uh, one can say he has something to prove. That's true. That's true. All right, Rick, go ahead. Tell Marsh. Bend that wheel. All right, here we go. Wheel is uh, spinning. Rick said anything but hockey. <laughs> well, Rick, it is hockey. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. First time, first time Jamie is going to have hockey in the new gauntlet. First time that any of us outside of Marsh has had has had our like original category, I believe. Because BT BT filling in didn't get baseball. I haven't got football yet. So this one's going to be interesting. All right. Rick, you're a hockey fan anyways, though, right? Yes, I am. All right. So see how you do today. Gauntlet 2.0 here. All right, Rick, you you ready? Yes, sir. Question number one. The last time the Blues selected three times in the first round of the draft was 2007. Who did they select with the first of those three picks in that draft? Man. Give me the option. David Perron? Patrick Berglund or Lars Eller? Oh, man. I'm going to go with Ron. Final answer. All right. Question number two, Rick, last season, the Blues had 920 goal scorers. Who was the first blue to reach 20 goals last season? Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. Just boom, boom, boom. Up. I'm going to go with Perron. Give me options. You want the options? Yeah. Okay. Is it Jordan Cairo, David Perron, or Pavel Buchnevich? I'm going to go with. Oh, man, Boots David team. My gosh, I remember that. Uh, dang it. I'm going with Perron. I'm going to stick with Perron. Perron, final answer. All right. Final answer. Question number three, Rick. In the 2020 playoffs, which team set the record for most games played in a single NHL postseason? In the 2020 playoffs, which team set the record for most games played in a single NHL postseason. 
well, it's got to be Tampa Bay because they won it. But I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Final answer. Okay. Final question. David Perron has played for six different NHL teams. Which team is the only team from the Metropolitan Division that Perron has played for? That is a very specific question. (laughs) (laughs) See, these are the questions that Jamie always just kills. (laughs) Uh, Give me the options. I have no no clue. Is it the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, or the Philadelphia Flyers? Uh, I'm going to say Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't believe you played for them. That's my final answer. All right. All right, let's get Jamie back from the cone of silence. Here, Rick, how are you feeling? Okay. Not great? What? All right, you might be cutting out, Rick. All right, Jamie's walking back in from the cone of silence right now. Oh, baby. How'd Rick do? Well, you better pack that lunch, Jamie. Son of a... All right. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Jamie. Yeah. Are you ready? I don't know. Maybe. Which family does a muskrat belong to? Which family does like a muskrat what, belong to? What animal family? Mm-hmm. Probably the rodent. Okay, Marsh, you looked that up. Here's okay. your real question. Oh, the last a, time, I felt good about that one, too. The last time the Blues selected three times in the first round oh, of the God. draft was 2007, Jamie. Okay. Yes, your real category is hockey. Who did they select with the first of those three picks in that 07 draft? In the 07 draft? Um, let's see here. Uh, give me the options. David Perron. Yeah. Patrick Berglund. Lars Eller. Uh, hmm. I don't believe it to be Lars Eller. Patrick Berglund, David Wow. Uh, I would say David Perron. Yeah, final answer. Question number two. Last season, the Blues had nine 20 goalers. Who was the first Blue to reach 20 goals last season? First blue to get to 20 goals last season. Um, hmm. Was it Cairo? Was it Vladdy? Cairo, Vladdy, Vladdy, Cairo. Um, going through the list. Man, this stinks. I know I'm going to get, I got to take a guess with it. I'll say it was Vladimir Tarasenko. Final. Question three, Jamie. In the 2020 playoffs, which team set the record for most games played in a single NHL postseason? Pardon me? In the 2020 playoffs, which team set the record for most games played in a single NHL postseason? Well, that would be interesting question because that was the bubble. 
I believe. Yes, it was the bubble. So you had play-in games as well. I wonder if those are counted as playoff games. If so, it would be the Montreal Canadiens. I'll go with that. The Montreal Canadiens. Final Final answer? answer. Yeah, final answer. Sorry, guys. Well, you know, it's it's in the rule book, Jamie. It is. I understand that. I apologize. Final question, Jamie. David Perron has played for six different NHL teams. Yep. Which team is the only team from the Metropolitan Division that David Perron has played for? Pittsburgh Penguins. Final answer. Okay. Let's go over these. Round two. Jack. Uh, I mean, Rick. Excuse me. Rick. Jack. Yeah. I was thinking Jack Flair from know earlier. Jack. Mm-hmm. That's what you were thinking. Yep, that's right. All right, so Rick, round two for Rick. He uh, took on Jamie. Category wound up being hockey. First time. Oh, no, it's the second time, actually, that Jamie played in hockey. I forgot that you had, you had lost previously in hockey. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Question number one. The last time the Blues selected three times in the first round of the draft was 2007. Who did they select with the first of those three picks mm-hmm. in that draft? Jamie. Perry was third. You went with David Perron. Rick, you also went with David Perron. You said you were wrong, Jamie. Who... Who do you think? I actually believe it was Patrick Berglund. Now, he was higher rated. Uh, I think Perron snuck in there as the last guy they drafted. That's why he ended up being such a surprise. That's just my bad. Correct answer is wrong again, Ernie. It's Lars Eller. Lars Eller was the first selected in that draft. Well, there we go. Or at least first selected by the Blues, I should say. Perron was the third of those three picks. Patrick Berglund was in the 2006 draft. Oh, yeah. The other player selected by the Blues was Ian Cole. Okay. Well, so we got a 0-0 tie between Rick to a hot start. And Jamie. Last season, the Blues had 920 goal scorers. Who is the first Blue to reach 20 goals last season? Rick, you went with the options. You said David Perron. Jamie, you did not take the options and you went with Vladimir Tarasenko. Correct answer is well, gentlemen, it's Jordan Cairo. It's Jordan Cairo. He was the first one to 20 goals last year. Ooh, stay hot. 0-0 between Jamie and Rick. Defensive battle. In the 2020 playoffs, which team set the record for most games played in a single NHL postseason? Rick, you did not take the options. You went with Tampa because they won it. You said, all right, it had to be Tampa. Jamie, you had pointed out the bubble. There may be some extra games played there. You went with the Montreal Canadiens, also known as the Habs, Jamie. Mm-hmm. You did not use the options on that. I can tell you, both the Lightning and Canadians were options. Correct answer is the Dallas Stars. The Stars were also an option. 27 games played that oh, year for the crap. Dallas Stars. I forgot about that. The Stars they had to play in games, too. The Stars were the team that went to the Stanley Cup and that lost year. to Tampa. Canadians went the following year. There you go. Oh boy. So I feel awful right now. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So let's just check the score. Yeah. Marsh, what you got? Uh, we have. Let's see. Zero, two. Take your time. Make sure it's right. Um, zero. Zero. Okay. 
All right, here we go. David Perron has played for six different NHL teams. Which team is the only team from the Metro Division that uh, Perron has played for? Well, you guys both had the same answer. You guys both had the Pittsburgh Penguins. Correct answer is... It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's right. But Jamie didn't need the options. Rick. You have chosen... Poorly. You lose. Real barn burner today. Oh Jamie gosh. wins. Woo. Last second hey, shot. Hey, at least I hung in there till the end. I was, I was surprised. I was yeah, surprised. you did a great job, Rick. I feel like I just limped over the goal line for this one. That you did. You, you got the shot in anyway. My so goodness. Jamie knocks Thank off. Thank you, guys. Right I had a blast. I appreciate you letting me be a part of this. No, thanks. Thanks for listening to Rick, and thanks for playing. You bet. Take care, guys. Right, take care, you buddy. too. Good job, Jamie. Wow, is it though, really? Well, I mean, hey, you, you know showed what? up. We were here. Wow. They don't ask how, they ask how many. Those are good questions, though. I The years, those ones always get me. Like they draft year and like 20 goals last year. I knew that Cairo and Tarasenko were really close to being the first ones. But you don't ever like, those are things where you, you're watching and you're talking about it, but you don't ever like mentally store it because why would I ever need to know that again? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good questions, Grant. I mean, who knows? Who really knows? Who really knows? That's right. We got a text from the 314. Get them, J.E.s. Stoltz, tell them to get them. Marsh, tell them to get them. (laughs) I just read what the text line provides me. J.E.s. Who is that? (laughs) Texter 314, send us a name to give you. Yeah. This is the same texter that every time Anthony says, see ya. He sends a text. Send us. It's not a response. Send us a name you would like attached to your your text in. Yeah, because you're amusing. There we go. <laughs> we have the biggest question of the day coming up at four thirty. Don't forget early pregame tonight for the Blues as they take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Five o'clock pregame show. Uh, is Jack Flaherty the team's number one oh, X factor this year? Well, MLB.com thinks so. We'll talk about it next. Oh, there's I want a lot of Matthew. You want to go over those? Not really. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. John Den, who covers the Cardinals for MLB.com, wrote yesterday how Flaherty, Jack Flaherty, is the Cardinals' biggest X factor in 2023. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, would you ha- would you have Jack Flaherty as a bigger X factor, Jamie and Marsh, than Tyler O'Neill? Would I have somebody as a bigger X factor? Yeah. Would you have Would you have Tyler O'Neill as a bigger X factor than Jack Flaherty, or do you think that Flaherty gives the Cardinals? kind of the biggest swing in terms of expectations yeah. and upside versus what could happen in reality. Yeah, so here's where I'm conflicted. Because it's two totally different positions and the expectations are totally different, I find them hard to to compare, right? So Jack mm-hmm. Flaherty is your only swing and miss, true swing and miss pitcher available in your rotation. So is he an X factor from the standpoint of you really need him to perform like a top of the rotation guy? Well, absolutely. You know, but at the same time, you need Tyler O'Neill to perform at a rate 
even close to what he was a couple of years ago to where, you know, your offense isn't solely relying upon Goldie and Arenado, that you've got another guy in there with some pop and that Contreras now, you know, he just adds to that offensive punch. So I think both of them probably equally, in my opinion, are X factors for those reasons. Mm-hmm. Now, if you pit them one against the other, quite honestly, I think Jack Flaherty is more of an X factor. I think that you're going to need him more than Tyler O'Neill come playoff time. I think the key is what you just said at the end there. I think come playoff time, that's that is where Jack Flaherty, if you if you view him as somebody that could essentially be a top end starter for you, that's where he comes in. Because now if you go into the trade deadline and you say to yourself, we know and they regardless of what Flaherty does or doesn't do in the first half, you're still gonna need a a starting pitcher, I think, at the deadline. And I'm not talking about any starting pitcher. I'm talking about somebody that it, it might hurt a little bit when it comes to compensation that you give up. I think the the bottom line is the Cardinals are going to need a starter. But Flaherty, when it comes to the postseason, I think impacts it. I think Tyler O'Neill is the biggest X factor, though, for the Cardinals overall. Because if you think about this lineup, you, you let's not let's keep in mind, you added Contreras. We could talk about him replacing Yachty and the and the fall off defensively. We probably haven't spent enough time on Contreras from an offensive standpoint. You're adding him into this lineup that already consists of the National League MVP last year in Goldschmidt and somebody in Nolan Arenado that can wreck a game with his bat as well. You don't, The leadoff spot seems to be a concern from a consistent standpoint, whether that's Newt Barr slash Donovan slash whoever, but the middle of the order looks good. If you toss in Tyler O'Neill and he can stay healthy and he does what he did two years ago or something resembling that, it dramatically changes your lineup, in my opinion. Now, you still need contributions and health from the previous guys that I mentioned. But, Jamie, if you look at this lineup from top to bottom, you would have power. You would have contact. You would have speed. I think he winds up being the biggest biggest X factor, even more so than Flair. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, the way you broke that down, I don't disagree. Um, but, again... You need that top-end pitching if you're going to do anything as far as making a big playoff run. I understand what you need to score runs, too. Yeah, I get it. But you need at least a one-two punch at the top of your rotation. And right now, if Jack Flaherty comes back and has a great season, that's a one. You don't have the two punch. Mm-mm. So acquiring a starting pitcher would be great, but you know, are you getting a guy that's good enough? And how much are you giving up at that point? Oh, it's a starting pitcher. Uh, even, even if it's a rental, you're again. Yeah. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt a little um, bit. But you're in this position because you didn't. You didn't add one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last then, two years. I guess the question becomes: Then is the X factor Flaherty O'Neill or the guy you're going to acquire? Guy you're going to acquire. <laughs> I mean, you could also throw in. You could also throw in Jordan Walker into this yeah, mix too. I don't know. I don't want to do that. I'd like to. Quite honestly, I think all of the fan base here in St. Louis should just pump the brakes and, and let's not do that right now. If Jordan Walker comes in and does exactly. What we think he can do, and he's the next Albert Pujols-esque player. Great. That's gravy. I don't want him to be the X factor. And I want the guys that are currently on the roster to be someone to be the X factor. Whether it's Flaherty or O'Neal, I want one of those guys to be the X factor because then if Jordan Walker comes in and he's a X factor type player, that's gravy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because who knows, right? right? Like, I just don't – I don't like putting that kind of um, pressure 
or that tag, that label on a kid that hasn't even played a game yet in the majors. Yeah, why, why don't you believe in Jordan Walker? I guess that's no, my I question, do. too. I, I believe in him tremendously, Anthony, but I also don't want to say that he's the X factor when he hasn't even set foot on a major league diamond in league play. He could be the X factor. Could be. So yeah. could Paul DeYoung. Okay, so and, uh, having a good conversation. Should we go then, then, again? You, then you So could Tommy Edmond. So could Dylan Carlson if he can hit from the left side, okay. Anthony. Okay. So could Lars Newpar if he repeats what he did what at about the end of last season. If he Fredbert? wears pants at some point, maybe he can contribute. He can contribute if he gets on top of the opposing team's dugout, mm-hmm. makes enough noise, maybe a distraction, a little wiggle, a little waggle. Yeah, yeah Fredbird's in there too. X factor right there. Okay. That's... Should I keep going? Nope. I okay. Think, uh, I think we're good. All right. Biggest question of the day next in the Fast Lane 101 ESPN. Factor. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, March, what do we got for the biggest question of the day? We get a text today on the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Just a hypothetical. Let's say the Blues pass on Jordan Cairo and instead pick Adam Fox in the 2016 draft. Do the Blues make the same woeful decisions regarding the defense? Starting with Edmondson Bach for Falk. Are the Blues in a much better place today? Asking for a friend. I have a very distinct answer on this, Jamie. Go ahead. I say, I say you're still in this spot for one reason. If you still allow Alex Petrangelo to walk in free agency, you're still in this spot. You may have the, you may have different names. You know, it might be Fox. You have Fox instead of Tory Krug, or Fox instead of whoever. But I think you're still in this spot because you let Alex Petrangelo walk. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go a little different on this one. I think you're in a much different spot, to be honest, because Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy. Uh, he's a great all-around defenseman. What was Alex Petrangelo? A great all-around defenseman. Petro's never won the Norris. He's never done anything um, better than everybody in the league, whether it's offensively or defensively, to be recognized with the Norris Trophy. Adam Fox. If you have Adam Fox, you. You don't require a player like Tory Krug. You don't require a Justin Falk. You don't require an Alex Petrangelo, to be honest. So if you had your right side, if your two top right-handed shot defense, we could be Fox and Pareko. Or maybe you make that trade and you have Falk and Fox. I don't know. I got to be careful saying those two names in You're a row. No kidding. <clears throat> um, but then, you know, if you didn't have to move Joel Edmondson, maybe he's on the left side. So I think if, yes, I think if you had Adam Fox, you the, the pain of losing Alex Petrangelo is a lot less. Now, you also don't have Jordan Cairo, who is one of the you know most explosive young players in the NHL. Could you have filled that void then with somebody else? Do you hang on to Tarasenko? Like, there's a lot of things that could have been different. But if there, there's a very f- select few players that would make the loss of Alex Petrangelo not sting. Kale McCarr would be one of them. Adam Fox is one of them. Victor Hedman is a guy. Very few. Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi would be another one. But Adam Fox in particular, because he's a right-handed shot defenseman that plays in every situation, I think you would be 
um, as a team, probably in a better place. I think at that time, though, the Blues weren't looking for defense, right? They came after the, what was it, the Western Conference final run, and then they lost to Anthony's San Jose Sharks, nope, and they, they traded away Brian Elliott, which ended up becoming the Jordan Cairo pick. At that time, you needed forward. You needed forward depth, and that's what the Blues went out looking for. You weren't looking for defense, and we it kind of reminds me of the of the cards in, in a way where they pivoted. They pivoted, and now we're seeing those position players starting to come up through the organization rather than the pitching. Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. I mean, the pitching, the pitching for a long time for the Cardinals, it's like it, the 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 joke kind of wound up being, hey, if you want pitching, go go look at the Cardinals because it wasn't just starters. We talk about developing somebody like, and I know the injuries eventually got him, but. Uh, Michael Walker or Shelby Miller was a was a was a top guy at one point. The list goes on, but Kevin Segrist wound up being very good for you for for a while from a from a bullpen standpoint. Uh, they were just churning out pitchers, but it did get to the point where you said, "Okay, we don't have any high upside position players because our investment, our urgency, was put into the pitching staff." And then it had to change. You had they went for more low floor, high upside guys. A Jordan Walker. We're looking at high school players or or players that aren't finished products or, or near finished products because they played in college. But we also know that there's there's more untapped potential there. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have Jordan Walker in your organization. That's why you have Mason Wynn in your organization. And some other guys have made it. You know, Dylan, Dylan Carlson, I know he's got a lot to prove, but he's still only 24 years old, or this will be his 20, age 24 season. Mm-hmm. There's still plenty of talent there. You know, if the comp at one point was Andre Ether, if he wants to be an Andre Ether, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good damn outfielder for you for a while. He's up. Nolan Gorman is up. A lot to prove, but it, you know, Lars Newpar was never a top prospect. Did come up through your organization. Brendan Donovan, never a top prospect. Did come up through your organization. So the Cardinals pivoted, and I think that concentration was let's go, let's let's try to land a superstar positional player, and hopefully they did. But for you're you're right, Marsh for the Blues, that concentration was more maybe from a forward standpoint. Well, yeah, you, you didn't need it on the back end, uh, and you couldn't certainly couldn't forecast at that time where what direction you were going to go with Alex Petrangelo. You had no idea that you were going to win a Stanley Cup. There's a lot of things that come into play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to go back and have a look. I don't think the Blues did bad. You know, Jordan Cairo, is, uh, he was an all-star last year. He's a point-of-game player last year, and he is already right on pace with that again this year. So it's not like, oh, you could have had this guy, but you ended up that. No, you ended up with Jordan Cairo, who's a bright young star in this league. And, you know, would have been nice to have Adam Fox. Well, yeah, ultimately, would have been great to have Petro still, too. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that's the thing, right? Like, now the Blues are the, the team that is trading for the missing piece, whereas we saw the Cardinals, they were getting rid of players to try and find that missing outfielder, right? which was Marcelo Zuno, what they thought would be the missing piece. Yeah. Didn't really work out. It did for a little bit. And I, I think we're seeing that now with the Blues. I think these teams are somewhat intertwined when we look at how they, they do business. Obviously, sure. one has a salary cap. The other one doesn't. But uh, I, th- I, think, I think it's interesting to kind of compare the two. 
You know, the the key, I think, with the Marcelo Zuna trade, a lot of people focused in on the fact that you chose him instead of Yelich. One, that wasn't the case. The, the Cardinals asked the Marlins about Yelich. Yeah, the Marlins basically they, jobbed him. They did. The Marlins <laughs> said, no, he's not available. You he's know, a, He's the guy we're building around. He's, a, he's so the off Cardinals, the grid right now. So the Cardinals <laughs> said, okay. He's still there. Yeah, okay, let's go with Marcelo Zuna. And then Yelich was like, whoa, Stan's gone, Ozuna's gone, I'm out. I don't want to be here. And not only did the Marlins obliged by trading Yelich, they traded him to the damn division rival. And it didn't work out for the Cardinals for the first couple of years, and now obviously he's been banged up. But I thought the, the most important aspect, Jamie, the thing that is often overlooked, people say, well, you gave up, you gave up Sandy Alcantara. Yes, you did. You gave up Zach Gallon. Yes, you did. Don't be in that spot. Don't be in that spot to have to have that middle of the order bat because it's going to hurt. If you don't develop that guy, you either have to sign him, which doesn't lead to flexibility with your spending. Yeah. Or draft that guy. And now you've got both. You've got the flexibility, you got young cost control player that you can build around. The key is to not be in that spot. Don't paint yourself into a corner, I think is what they say, Anthony. There you go. People are like, well, you shouldn't have traded. You're right. But why? Don't put yourself in the spot to absolutely have to have something. Because when you when you want something, it's a little bit different than if you if you need something. I need to do this. Because then you become obsessed. Mm. And the Cardinals needed that middle of the order bat. Now you're willing to do this, that, and the other thing is we need it need it for Goldschmidt. We need somebody else. Now, eventually you got to uh, Arenado, which is great. But that was also a unique circumstance where he says, I'm out of Colorado. I don't want to be here anymore. You can't you can't count on that. So if you can avoid that as much as possible by drafting guys like Walker and developing and all that, that is that is to me how you build a true winner and have sustained success. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. We've got what you missed. Criticisms, compliments. Next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. In 10 minutes, you've got the Blues pregame show as they get ready for the Carolina Hurricanes tonight with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with... uh, some criticisms and compliments. Actually, he's going to hold off because. Well, yeah, we got to go over what, the podcast. We, yeah. what we did today. You know who well, we thought had the most to prove. Yeah, uh, Jamie literally ran through every player on the roster. Uh, didn't get to Fredbird, unfortunately. But we did later that, on. Later, yeah, later on we did. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was good. A lot of guys have a lot of things to prove, Anthony. Certainly, and Jamie made sure that he he mentioned all of them. Sometimes you don't think about what each individual player has to prove Mm -hmm. until it's really laid out to you back to back to back. No, you're right, Marsh. Uh, Jamie accomplished a lot in that five minutes or so. Mm -hmm. We also, I'm holding, I'm, I'm holding my Cardinals accountable. Yeah, you are Jamie. You are nice job, kid. We also talked whether or not the blues could actually be buyers at the deadline. Although we shot holes in that. Well, yeah, I mean, but ish anything is possible. Yeah. Army's worked his magic before. Jamie and I discussed how, uh, 
Wilson Contreras, we believe, is going to have a big season for the Cardinals based on some motivation heading yeah. into the year. Cubs fans are pissed, and I don't care. <laughs> you missed anything from today's podcast, head to 101ESPN.com or download the podcast via the 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Now time for some criticisms and some compliments. Absolutely. We have to start with Jamie, who picked up a win today in the gauntlet. It was very close, but uh, that's okay. Because it counts. And we did get a, I don't know if this is a criticism or a compliment, but from the 636, wow, congrats, Jamie. I think your record is over the Mendoza line. I don't get it. Well, the Mendoza line is 200. So I don't, is Jamie there? I think he's there. Let's do the math real quick. Overall gauntlet? Yeah. No, no, no. Gauntlet 2.0. Oh, it's under it. So, Jamie, you have competed in... Eight games now. You are two and six. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's inching up. It's up there. I think that's better than the Mendoza. Line. I don't know. That's better than Mendoza. Yeah. All right. It's, sure. It's, it's three thirty-three. He's actually like, he's, yeah, he's basically he's a Hall of Famer. famer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm he's, about to hit my stride. He's bleeping Tony Gwynn here. That's what I feel. I feel like I'm going to hit my stride here. And it was your first hockey win too. Nice job, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> We're still looking for <laughs> Anthony to pick up his first football win or uh, actually just, just compete. I don't think yeah. Yeah, you haven't even had the chance to compete. No. In I've I've had hockey for all of them except oh. for one or two. I think Anthony, you are one in three in hockey. Eesh. And what? One and one in baseball. You are. Let's see here. One and one loss. in baseball. One and three in hockey. Oh, and two in random. Uh, what? And no, no contest. For football. football. All right. So. That's, the, uh, uh, it's all coming together, Pepper. It's all coming together. All right. Let's continue moving on to the 636. My complaint for the day is that you guys are going off the air early because I love the show. But my compliment is that the Blues pregame starts immediately after. I see what you did there. So Thank sweet. you. That's kind of a double compliment, really. Yeah. See what you did there with the uh, the complaint? It's actually a compliment. I liked it. That was well done. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I want to give a compliment to the 618 for leaving us a mic drop yeah. today. Oh, yeah. Uh, however, Monumental. I want to give a, uh, a criticism to how he texted in today and, you know, um, in the most 618 fashion, a compliment mixed in with. A complaint. <laughs> hey, you know what? At the end of the day, Marsh, we have to be who we are. And the 618 is being who he is. And the fact that he contributed with a mic drop, we appreciate it. I, th- I think that's excellent. We need a little bit more people around here that, uh, that, that can be themselves. 618 is just illustrating that. Yeah, and I also read every text angry, so it helps with hearing the your voice sometimes helps. Certainly. Uh, we did the math wrong, fellas. Two we for did. eight is two fifty. No, you said two for six, though. Well, two for he six. was no two wins, six losses, eight attempts. Oh, eight attempts. Okay, you're yeah. right. So, yep, Jamie, you're we, right. Yeah, that's well. It's still we about apologize. The, it's you're still not, about the Mendoza line. Hall of Fame. He's hitting two fifty. All right, that's true. But yeah, two. Yeah, you're right. Eight attempts. I was. I did two divided by six. 
Uh, from the 314, my complaint is the games don't start early more often. Me too. Well, I guess, I mean, if, is that a criticism wrapped in a I don't know. criticism? If it's the, a, uh, that was a double criticism. It's a was it though? It's a turd. Ah, I think so. Wrapped up in there. Yeah. Why do you think that, Anthony? Instead of a crap it sandwich, it's a crap. Would be wrap. off the, the air one, earlier. One could one could surmise that <laughs> what they're saying is that I wish the game started earlier and your show ended earlier. But maybe Why that's not what they're your saying. Show? Because I was speaking as the texter. Just wondering. Why okay. I guess it's so defensive. That's weird. I don't think it was. Eh, a little bit. Nah. You're just as defensive as Jamie was when you were talking about Steve Cohen. Jamie got real defensive. Well, you made it sound like, and our listeners can go back and listen to the podcast, download it, 101 ESPN mobile app or 101ESPN.com, brought to you by Dobbs Taranato. You can judge for yourself. If Anthony was directing his snarkiness towards me, which I believe he was, and now he's, you know, no, I wasn't. I went. Yeah, you were. Just own it, Anthony. I actually did in that segment. I said uh, you didn't if, really. Well, you know what? I'll have to go back and listen to it as well. But Jamie, uh, what I said to you then, okay. and what I'm going to say to you now, uh, I already know. Go ahead. Is that I care about you? Mm. I care about your feelings. You're important to me. Yeah. And when you express your feelings, mm. I listen. No, you don't. And I believe I hurt you in that moment. And this is the biggest thing that I want to say to you, Jamie. It's that I'm sorry. Okay? It's that I'm sorry. That you feel that way. That's not an apology. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, and we'll be not back good. from 2 to 6. We got the Blues and the Hurricanes pregame show coming up right now. You got Blues and the Blues Radio Network coming up at 6. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.